you guys. Today I've got Jen McLellan on from Plus Size Birth, Plus Mommy, and Size Friendly. And we're having big conversations about what it's like to be in a bigger body and fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum. So please share this episode with someone that you know. Maybe it's you, but if it's not you, share it with someone that you know that is existing and living in this world in a bigger body and needs to be celebrated in their pregnancy with this episode. Okay, let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the birth story podcast and you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know. Do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition. And like we get into it. We make birth plans. We do birth visions. We listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences. How to take care of your baby. I guess what I'm getting at is... If you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan? I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, wash that anxiety away. Because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy, and you are ready to crush that birth. Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Jen, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you? Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty good. Well, today we're talking about plus size birthing and the importance 
of talking about why this is different than just birthing. And so you are the founder and owner of Plus Size Birth. And so Jen, just roll with that and introduce yourselves to my audience (laughs) and tell us a little bit more about who you are and your company. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm a certified childbirth educator. And for over a decade, I've been advocating for plus size people during pregnancy, birth and postpartum. So it's been quite a journey starting with my own pregnancy and birth experience and seeing a real lack of resources, a a lack of just like, how do you have a healthy pregnancy as a plus size person? It was just like you Googled and it was like, here are all the risks and here are all the things that quote unquote will happen. And I was like, wait, but, but none of that happened to me. So why is that the narrative? And why aren't there gorgeous pictures of plus size people pregnant on the internet? It was like, when I started this work in uh, 2011, it was like, you know, from the chin down was what we'd mainly see with photos. And so I really wanted to change the narrative of what it can be like to be plus size and pregnant. Okay. So what came first for you? Were you a childbirth educator first and no, then became pregnant? No, okay. I just got pregnant you and are pregnant. and I'm like, what is this? Why? Why is there nothing positive? I spent like hours on Google trying to find people that were my size pregnant, like to find images. It was so frustrating. We didn't, Instagram wasn't around back then, so it wasn't as accessible. And uh, yeah, no, I had a whole different career. And I, throughout my pregnancy, uh, I had an OB that was just like, oh, well, we're, we're glad you're 30. It wasn't very empowering. And then when I was five months pregnant, I was doing water aerobics with another friend who was pregnant. And she was like, I hired a doula. And I was like, what's a doula? (laughs) And my whole world was rocked, right? Like, oh, I can hire this person that will support me emotionally, physically, and educationally. Like, this sounds amazing. I knew I wanted an unmedicated birth. But I just assumed I was high risk because I existed in this larger body. And my my OB was like, you know, they were supportive, but not empowering in any way. And so I uh, started working with this great, this doula came for actually for her interview. And she was about the size of my thigh. But I felt really comfortable with her. And my um, husband felt really comfortable with her. And she was just like, you want an unmedicated birth. You should have a home birth. And I was like, I support choice, but like, I, I don't, I didn't feel comfortable in my body. There were so many messages that told me that my body would fail me and that I couldn't have a healthy outcome, but she introduced me to the midwifery model of care. And it was amazing. I I went to a hospital and met with the midwife before switching care. And in that one interview, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I've never had a care provider in my life as a plus size person make me feel like I was healthy, make me feel like my body was amazing. And that's what this midwife did. Yeah. And so I switched care providers five months into my pregnancy and it was amazing. (laughs) It was incredible. I say that my midwife was the first person to touch my body with compassion. I would just feel so supported I'd be like, I read online that big girls have big babies. And she'd be like, yeah, Jen, that's what your hips are for. You can birth the big baby. And I was like, I can. And she's like, you're not high risk. Like, 
you're you're doing great. We talk about physical activity and nutrition in a way that wasn't stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's awesome. You love water aerobics. I was like, yeah, it's so great. Like it was just like, wait. I'm not being judged about my weight at every single appointment. Mm-hmm. Like I've never, Hey, I just had an experience care like that. Yeah. And I um, had a completely healthy pregnancy and my birth and the way I was supported through my do du- with my doula throughout was amazing. I was able to have the unmedicated birth I wanted and had the most incredible midwife there at my birth who really believed in me and an amazing labor and delivery nurse. And I just felt so supported in this experience. My husband was there too, but like he was just on the sidelines for most of the labor. (laughs) I just wanted that team of women with me. Mm. And my mom flew in on a one-way flight last minute to make it for the birth of her first grandchild. And I gave birth on my knees and was forever transformed. My husband caught our son And it was a life-changing experience. And I never thought that my body could do something like that. And I did because I was so supported and so believed in myself. Uh, As I was pushing, I'll never forget my doula saying, trust your body. And for a second, I was like, trust my body. I've never trusted my body before. But when you are birthing a human, you kind of got to do whatever it takes. And so I let go of my brain controlling everything. And I just trusted my body and it was so empowering. So, so when my kid was beautiful. Yeah. And when my kid was four months old, I was like, I'm going to start a blog because surely I'm not the first fat woman to have a vaginal birth. That was amazing. But like, there weren't many stories online that were positive at the time. So yeah, I was not in the birth world at all. I did end of life advocacy work. And then it just, everything changed from the way I was supported and treated. So, you know, like Heidi, the work that you do, I, I'm so thankful for doulas because I think back on how things might've progressed had I not hired my doula. Yeah. We're actually recording during World Doula Week. I know this episode isn't coming out during World Doula Week, but that's when we're recording. And like, yeah, thanks for that shout out. Feels really good. But key word that you just said, Jen, is you said you were already doing advocacy work. So this is something that was like part of your DNA, right? To like speak up, speak out, that type of thing. But going back, like I am a plus size person now. Okay. I'm very fit. I'm very fat. I'm in the biggest body I've ever been in, but I'm like very healthy. Like my blood pressure is 90 over 60. These are things that surprise people when you're over 200 pounds, right? Like I have phenomenal blood pressure. My blood sugar is perfect. My fasting glucose, my fasting insulin, my A1C, every marker, like CRP for inflammation, cholesterol, right? Like I think our society has a hard time understanding that you can be 200, 300 pounds, plus size in a big body. You can be fat. I mean, kind of before Lizzo came on the scene, right? It's like, and I'm like, newsflash, we can, we're really sexy too. Like we look super hot naked (laughs) and in lingerie and like all the things. But yes, the images haven't been there. And it's almost like society looks at fat people like as if they're like have a disease or something's wrong with them. Now I'm giving you all this background, Jen, because I did not grow up in a larger body, right? 
I was a soccer player. I played soccer internationally. I was a long distance runner. I had very disordered eating. And it took me into my late 30s to like let go, to give in to food, to embrace my curves, and to like allow myself to be in a bigger body. Okay. So the reason I'm setting this up for you is when I'm hearing you tell your story, it sounded to me like maybe you had been in a bigger body for a longer period of time than I had been in a big body, basically from my pregnancy on. So it sounds like preconception, you had identified or people had identified you as a fat person or a plus size person. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My mom took me to my first Weight Watchers meeting at 12. Okay. Right. And then we did all kinds of dieting and all. Yeah. So I had existed in a larger body for most of my life. But like you explained up front, I, I was, I'm healthy today. And I was healthy, you know, 12 years ago when I was pregnant, I um, weighed almost 300 pounds during my pregnancy. And I went into pregnancy healthy, completely healthy. Uh, and so, yeah, and we have plenty of studies to show health at every size, right? But we have plenty of studies to show weight stigma and that, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with people of size and that we have internalized fat phobia as well. I, being a fat person, doing fat advocacy work, uh, there's a wonderful Harvard implicit bias test. And you can just Google Harvard implicit bias and you can do it for racism, sexism, weight bias, all these different biases that we hold. And for the weight bias, when you're literally clicking on your keyboard, you're identifying words and bodies. And I was like, oh, I got this. I was a little horrified by my um, results because we we live in a society that really hates fat people. And so no matter how you walk through this world, you're going to internalize that on some level. So I'm always working to unpack that. But I, yeah, I, I didn't think that I could have a healthy outcome as a plus size person. And here I did. And so while I, at the time of starting my blog, didn't know everything I know now and Mm -hmm. wasn't a certified childbirth educator and all this stuff, like I just, something told me like there has to be more positive stories out there. There there has to be resources on where to find clothes that fit your body during pregnancy, where to find breastfeeding pillows that aren't so small. I remember I I used to use mine after I gave birth just to sit on because it was so (laughs) comfortable after giving birth, but it was so tiny. I'd like squeeze it out to like be able to put my son on it. Uh, And thankfully, we have more resources now than we did a decade ago. But it's still so shocking how much we actually don't have today. And what happens when the door closes and the provider comes into the room. So I know we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And we've touched on the role of a doula, right? Yeah. But there is specific sensitivity training As a doula, that is very important. You said, I gave birth on my knees, right? Mm -hmm. It is important that every birthing person and every doula understands the capability of every body, even someone who's living a pregnancy in a bigger body and what their flexibility and their capabilities are, rather than making assumptions that like people can't get in and up out of a squat, right? Like, yes, we can. Absolutely, we can. But also I was giving birth on my knees in with the hospital bed 
propped up in a reclined position. So it was so comfortable. I was so nervous about being so exposed. And I think that's something that a lot of people, regardless of your size, worry about going into birth. And then by the time you're giving birth, most often you're like, I just, I'm ready to give birth. But, <laughs> but we still hold a many people modesty or insecurities with our bodies. And so that was a real fear of mine. So when my midwife said, climb up on the bed on your knees and let's have this baby, I was like, I mean, I joke that she could have told me to like hang from the rafters upside down and I would have attempted anything um, because at that (laughs) time I was ready to birth my baby. And I got up on the bed on my knees, which was actually really a comfortable position to be in. And the bed was propped up. These hospital beds are like transformers. They can do many different things. So I just leaned forward, but I was on my knees and my uh, husband caught our son and I pushed for 30 minutes on my knees as a first time person giving birth. Like it was just so empowering and made me feel so strong and just incredible. And I'm so thankful that I was supported in that way. But yeah, I was actually really comfortable being a person of size. Uh, And my midwife would keep the sheet covering my bottom in between contractions and then bring it down when I was pushing. So I just felt like my modesty and comfort level was always really supported and cared for uh, in many beautiful ways. And I, I'm forever thankful for that too. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't know if I would have been on my back that my legs would have fit comfortably in the stirrups because, you know, there there's a lot that we provide within birth that isn't necessarily designed for larger bodies. So I'm glad that I was able to be in that position. But like you said, there's a lot of doubt of what larger bodies are capable during pregnancy and birth and uh, a lot of restrictions that are placed with BMI restrictions that are just so incredibly frustrating. Uh, So yeah. Yes. Okay. So Jen, I want you to take me back to like fertility, okay? Because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of couples that are TTC and I want to know, like, did you spontaneously conceive? Was this a fertility journey? And what are the messages that you had received about fertility in a larger body? Um, My mom's side of the family always got pregnant quick and easy. So I never grew up thinking getting pregnant would be harder But then I remember when I went to the OB, the time before I was, it was right before I was getting married, I'm pretty sure. And I mentioned something about starting a family and she literally pulled out the BMI chart and was like, well, you need to lose like over a hundred pounds. And in my mind, it was like, she told me I needed to like fly to the moon and back. I was like, what? Because I mean, I'm a big girl, but I'm a really short girl. I'm only five feet tall and a half inch. And so my BMI is supposed to be really, really small because I'm I'm small, but light. And so I just remember feeling really discouraged about it, but I didn't internalize it enough that I didn't want to start trying to conceive after we'd been uh, together a while. And it took us less than a year to get pregnant. I'm trying to remember like six, seven months, maybe. I don't remember the exact amount off the top of my head, but, you know, just the, it takes the average couple of years. Like, so it was nothing abnormal. I think I had the same stress that almost anyone does while trying to conceive and buying all the pregnancy tests, but I hadn't really internalized a lot of those messages uh, because I had always been a big girl, but I'd always been a healthy girl. And so I, I, uh, it was this balance of eh, not really fully believing in my body, but also like, okay, I want to start a family. Like I'm 
let's start a family. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I'd say for anyone listening, like it is hard, all the uh, information out there that it is so much harder to get pregnant in a larger body. Uh, and I think it's really important that we look at our individualized health, right? Like, as we said before, you can be healthy at any size and unhealthy at any size. And rather than focusing on one number, a number on a scale, I really encourage people to look at their overall wellness, to look at your nutrition. Are you dieting? Are you very entrenched in diet culture? We know statistically that diets do not work. Uh, so connecting with a health at every size informed nutritionist can be amazing and you can learn so much. Uh, finding physical activity that brings you joy. Like we want to be moving our bodies, whether or not we're pregnant, but during pregnancy, it's very important. We know it can help to reduce increased risks. Uh, are we sleeping? Are we trying to de-stress? Like there's so many aspects of health that literally have nothing to do with one single number. So I really encourage people to look at their overall health while also understanding the realities of BMI restrictions for fertility support and that it is very, very frustrating to access fertility support when you exist in a larger body. And um, I'm, I'm finding there are small shifts occurring, but not fast enough. So just being aware of that as well. Mm hmm. And there are fertility doulas that you can hire also. So that's something yeah. to look at in your area. And we're going to get into Jen's directory with plus size birth and how you can access resources there. So we're going to come back to it, Jen. But since I mentioned it, like how will individuals listening to this podcast find the directory for the individuals in their area that are signed up with you? Yeah, I mean, plussizebirth.com will take you to everything, but I do have the size-friendly directory, which is sizefriendly.com. Uh, but if you just start at Plus Size Birth, it'll break down everything you could want to know about trying to conceive pregnancy and postpartum in a larger body with evidence-based information. I love your website and everything you. that you do. I mean, labor of love, too, to have put together all of these resources. I mean, it's really incredible what you're doing over there. I want to just keep going, though, with like this ex emotional experience that you had and like what so many of our listeners are going through. There is a lot of fat shaming going on with people who aren't even in fat bodies. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so like and I find this a lot with like my clientele, too. And so creating healthy boundaries prior to walking into that room, prior to choosing the provider, right, oh, yeah. asking the right questions. So I wanted to land that there with you and ask you, like, what are some of the things that you either did in your pregnancy or you've learned since as a childbirth educator for establishing healthy boundaries around your pregnancy visits that include every time a weight check. Yeah, I mean, I have a whole free guide on how to connect with a size-friendly care provider because there's two things that I get asked the most. Where in the heck can I find cute and affordable plus-size maternity clothes? And how do I find a care provider that isn't going to shame me? 
And I'm like, I'm going to help you with both, but one's a little harder. Well, they're both, they're both frustrating, but one's more frustrating than the other. And that is connecting with a size-friendly care provider. Again, we're, we're seeing more shifts now, which is amazing. I love, I, I'm loving the younger OBs. And I, I say younger, but I mean, I guess I'm in my 40s now, so I'm coming to this place. But then like them reaching out to me and being like, how can I be size inclusive? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Um, but it really, really starts with researching, right? And understanding that just because you've been going to one OB for your well care visits for over a decade does not necessarily mean that they are the right fit for your pregnancy, right? Just because you have some comfort with them examining your body does not mean necessarily that they are the right fit for your maternity care. So I think asking for those of us who exist in larger bodies, asking your plus size friends, uh, there are many uh, moms groups in local communities. If you feel comfortable joining that group, before you're even pregnant or if you're pregnant and asking, hey, I'm plus size, any other, you know, plus size parents in this group? Did you have a good experience with your care provider or are there any care providers I should steer away from? Uh, and doing some research, Googling, uh, now there's a lot of reviews out there on care providers. And then once you narrow down your list, calling Asking questions like, do you have larger blood pressure cuffs? That is critically important. Do you have larger gowns? I think really importantly, do you have BMI restrictions? Unfortunately, we do see a lot of BMI restrictions at birth centers and sometimes uh, with midwifery programs as well. So you don't want to show up and then being told that you're too big to be here. Like that just, that is not the way you want to start off your prenatal care. And then when you go for your first visit, after you've narrowed everything down, paying attention. Are there chairs for you to sit comfortably in the lobby? How are you treated when you're brought back to be weighed? You know, we have many options for being weighed, including as mentally competent adults saying, I don't want to be weighed right now, or maybe I'll consent to being weighed at the end of the appointment. I think getting a weight early on in pregnancy and near the end, especially if you're planning on having a medicated birth, that's really important. Um, but do you need to be weighed at every prenatal visit? Not necessarily. Will you be pressured to do so? Likely. But you can stand backwards on the scale. You can weigh at home and bring that number. You can ask to be weighed in a more private area if the scale is in a very public area. And I think just knowing that you have options can feel really, really empowering. And then once you're brought back, once they're throwing on that blood pressure cuff, have you been seated for at least five minutes? Are your feet firmly planted on the floor? Like these are standards for how your blood pressure should be taken, but so rarely do they actually occur. And making sure our blood pressure is getting accurately read during pregnancy is critical because then you might be labeled as having high blood pressure. And then that puts you on a whole nother trajectory for your pregnancy. Making sure if you're provided with a gown that it fits your body. There's nothing more in secure and dehumanizing than not being fully covered and having this exchange with a care provider. It can feel, it's hard to advocate for yourselves when you don't feel dignified and covered. Uh, and really paying attention to how you're talked to. Is everything related back to your weight? 
Are you really being heard and listened to and touched and talked to in a dignified matter? All of all manner. All of these things are very critically important. I think important for people of all sizes, mm-hmm. uh, but especially for people of size and asking up front, are there any special tests or recommendations that you're going to make, including induction because of my BMI or because of my size? Now, maybe you don't feel comfortable saying that right in the beginning. You can send an email after, you know, do whatever feels comfortable for you. But I think that's a really critical question to ask because that will give you an idea of what the trajectory of your care is going to be like with this provider. And if you want a very medicalized experience, then you want a care provider that's going to be like, okay, we're maybe going to look at more of a high-risk pregnancy here due to your BMI. And here are the testing. We're going to do a lot of non-stress tests near the end of pregnancy. And for some people, that's fantastic. They want every ultrasound and every opportunity they can have to get a lot of monitoring. But for other people, they're like, why? Why do I need this if I am healthy? If I am healthy, I'm having a low-risk pregnancy. And according to ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, just because you have a higher BMI does not mean that you are having a high-risk pregnancy. There are a few recommended tests that will be looked at, like having an early test for gestational diabetes, but that doesn't mean that you're high-risk just because of your BMI. So if you don't want all the additional testing and oversight and recommendations for inductions, then making sure that you are connecting with a care provider that provides individualized care and doesn't just look at your BMI. Yeah. It's, that was a lot. Sorry. No, it much. was. <laughs> no, you did not. You talked the perfect amount because every <laughs> single thing that you said was such a pearl of wisdom to anyone listening today that is like, like so many light bulbs just went off for so many people yeah. listening. Right. And we I thank you so. for it. One of the things I wanted to address with you um, was the gestational diabetes and the ACOG recommendations. It is very important that we say to those listening and to any person of size, of any size, really, if you develop gestational diabetes, it is not your fault. Right. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And people of all sizes get gestational diabetes. And it's your darn placenta's fault. It (laughs) is your placenta's fault. Blame the placenta. Yes. And almost all of my gestational diabetes clients are on the opposite end. I would say that they are smaller people, right? Um, So there's a lot of stress around gestational diabetes. I do recommend taking your own blood sugar at home getting your own glucometer and learning to take your own blood sugar and take it at home because, and this is for all people, including plus size clients that I have, but if you are a healthy person and you go in and drink that drink, most people are going to be reactive (laughs) to that. Um, The better judge of blood pressure, the better judge of diabetes is slowly looking at those things every couple of days, every day, every couple of days, once a week, and kind of tracking those things on your own. And you had mentioned the scale. We do not have scales in private places in our area. It's just like, how could any office manager at any doctor's office not understand this and just put the scale in a private room, go away, people come back. Um, 
weigh at home if you must weigh, or like I did, I always weighed backwards. And I asked them if it is mandatory that you print out a piece of paper at the end of this visit that is going to have the numbers of my BMI and my weight, I'm going to need you to take a Sharpie and I'm going to need you to black those out because those would not be safe for me to look at as someone who has disordered eating as a history and is now in a plus size body and is pregnant. (laughs) So yeah, I love that recommendation. That's a really good one and an, and an important one. And I think there's a lot of notes that we might happen to see. Uh, I know for like ultrasounds, there can be notes about how it's harder to um, do the ultrasound due to, I think they say like, Hatabis, I forget the exact wording, but visceral it's really just, fat. Yeah, yeah. It just, but they don't say the word fat. They, they use, and they don't use adipose. They use a different word, and it just feels kind of icky. And so, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great idea. But I think you still might happen to read things, mm-hmm. uh, even if you ask for that. But I think I love that suggestion, and just knowing that. For those of us that do exist in larger bodies, things look a little differently a lot of the time because the technology is not designed for our bodies. Like ultrasound waves do have a harder time going through adipose or fat tissue. So it can be recommended to wait a little bit longer before getting those external ultrasounds. There's just little recommendations that'll make things easier for you and easier for the ultrasound tech or or little, you know, tips around monitoring during labor for people who exist in larger bodies. Just little tips and tricks that will make things easier for everyone without someone needing to feel ashamed or othered in the process. Mm-hmm. One of the places where I see people being othered is um, on continuous fetal monitoring. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. These tiny little discs in these bands, they are just not designed for those of us that exist in bigger bodies, especially during pregnancy. And who wants to spend 24 hours of their beautiful birthing time (laughs) having a nurse trying to fix a monitor because it's simply not designed for my body, you know, and that's not a me problem. Right. And so do you have any tips or recommendations? This is just something I run into a lot in the birthing room. And finally, I just tell my clients, fuck it. Like we're done (laughs) with monitoring. Like the baby looks great. Like just take it off. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think that sometimes that comes with okay, we'll do intermittent, but a lot of the time it's going to come back with a lot of pushback, especially for plus size people. So that's why early on, you really want to ask if your care provider is going to recommend an induction. And we have studies like the ARRIVE study that supposedly show that by inducing labor, we're going to have lower cesarean birth rates. And so this study did show that. But the conditions the study was done under are very hard to replicate in the general maternity care system. So if your care provider is saying, well, there are these studies and there was another study done just based on people at higher BMI and showing that an induction was showing lower cesarean birth rates. And I'm actually digging into that study now and we'll have an article available going through it. 
But if you are going to be induced, it is very likely that you will need continuous fetal monitoring. And that is something that's not talked about often enough. People aren't mm-hmm. prepared for that. And like Heidi just said, those bands and the monitors really don't work well for larger bodies. So we see much higher rates of internal fetal monitoring yes. where your waters are broken or you, you're, they've broken on your own or they are broken. Uh, and then the monitors monitoring is put inside of you to monitor contractions and then a tiny screw in your baby's head to monitor the baby's heart rate, which is very, very effective. But once we are introducing things into the vagina, there's a higher risk of infection. There's not as much mobility. There's discomfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's risks comes, to the baby yeah, putting a fetal yeah. scalpel electrode on their head, you know? Yeah. So while all of these tools can be helpful and necessary, if this all listening, you're like, I don't want any of that, then that is another reason why you want to connect with a care provider who is more size friendly, who is going to provide that individualized care, who is not going to push an induction unless it is medically necessary. So whether or not you need continuous fetal monitoring, they'll do intermittent monitoring. Dopplers can work for people of size, but they're just not often used. Um, I think it's important to ask in advance if your hospital has wireless fetal monitoring and specifically if they have the Novi Monica wireless monitor that was designed for larger bodies. It works better. It doesn't, it's not perfect, but it works better. I think it's also helpful to bring a belly band from home that can help to hold the monitors in place. And then, like Heidi said, having a doula is amazing because doulas can help to hold monitors in place. There's lots of tips and tricks around the monitors, like wrapping up a a washcloth to help it angle on right, um, to getting into the position that feels comfortable and then putting monitors on. Uh, It can be helpful, especially for people of size, to put a small sheet or towel on their back. So the monitors that are strapped so tight with, you know, having a larger back sometimes just so a little more comfort is in your back and it's not digging into the back of you. There's like, you can take one of those square alcohol swabs and you don't take it out, uh, the little swab, you don't pull the swab out, but it's a square and you're going to put that on the base of the monitor. I don't know if this is coming across well, sharing it on a podcast, but that sometimes can help pick up the tracing better. It's like we're having to hack all this stuff, which is very frustrating just to get it to work. But there, and I can send you an article with a lot of these tips and tricks, but there's a lot that we can do. It's just frustrating that I, I was, I was venting in Instagram stories this week that so frustrating that a billionaire can send himself to outer space. And yet we can't find a way to monitor people with dignity and have technology that does it in a way or have a maternity care system that looks at the evidence and that continuous fetal monitoring isn't always even necessary, yet it is very much pushed upon people and especially people in larger bodies. Mm -hmm. And that these BMI calculators are so outdated. And I'm just going to like go on a whim here, but I would guess that 70% of every pregnant person is in a, a BMI that they would say is obese Oh, plus or morbidly obese category. You do. Okay. Give me the statistics because I'm like, it's high. (laughs) 
60% of people who can get pregnant in their childbearing years are classified as overweight or obese. And I hate that word, obese, mm-hmm. but we'll roll yeah. with it talking about BMI. Of that, 39.7%, so about 40% are in the obese category. So we're looking at, yeah, 40%, which is not the majority, but it's enough that we should be finding ways to not only have us feel more secure and comfortable, but make the labor and delivery nurses jobs easier as well. I mean, this is the biggest frustration I hear from labor and delivery nurses is having to continuously monitor. So hire a doula, hire a doula, hire a doula, Mm -hmm. because not only can this doula help you with monitoring and knows all the tips and tricks. I bet Heidi can angle a washcloth around a monitor like it's nobody's business, but also Heidi can help hold the monitors in place. Also, Heidi can help talk to you if you just experience weight bias from a nurse or a healthcare provider and talk you through processing that. Uh, So yeah, I think doulas are one of the best quote unquote solutions with making it easier if continuous fetal monitoring is required. Because we want to take all of these things that a client or a birding person may be othered for, and then we want to refocus as quickly as we can back to the next surge so that we can get into that primal mammalian state to have a beautiful birth experience. And your birth experience just shouldn't be tied up with emotional and mental exhaustion for the body that you're in. The body should be celebrated every moment of the way for what it has done, which yes. is build and grow and continue human life. So yeah. it's just incredible. You had mentioned in your intake form that your favorite product was like this Frida um, Perry bottle or something. We're going to get to that, Jen, but like <laughs> Before I let you go today, I mean, I really like let's where do we buy maternity clothes? Like, where's the not just the maternity clothes? Where is my like big girl pregnancy lingerie, bathing suit, um, maternity gown? Like, are all of these resources available at plussizebirth.com to find out where to shop? Absolutely. That is like, (laughs) uh, obviously, we spent so much time talking about advocacy and that's my like love, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, as you shared, like that was my background professionally was advocacy and then becoming a certified childbirth educator and doing this work for so long. But I love fashion too. I, your girl loves dresses and looking cute and finding ways to dress a plus size body in fashionable, fun ways. So I've spent so much time curating lists, uh, even have some options that go to 7X for maternity options, but I really try to make sure that I at least have one 6X option on every single item that I recommend. Now, is that always a quote-unquote maternity item? No, sadly not, but we're having more and more maternity items go to 4X. So I do have a full list of every single maternity clothing manufacturer that has larger sizes. I've worked with a lot of brands on how to be more size inclusive. So yeah, if you just head on over to Plus Size Birth, um, not only clothing, but also where do we find belly bands that come in larger sizes? What about baby wearing options for people of size? All of that is um, absolutely available. I'll say one one place I highly recommend for maternity dresses, like if you want to have those gorgeous gown maternity dresses that people are like, wait, that's where they have them? Etsy. 
There are so many gorgeous, gorgeous gowns, whether or not you're pregnant, um, but many plus size maternity gowns that go to like 5X because these are independent designers that realize the need, the consumer need, and it's being fulfilled. So Etsy is actually one place. And I, on the plus size birth Instagram, as I said in the beginning of the show, like I couldn't find pictures of people my size pregnant, could find hardly any. So that's a real focus of mine is sharing so many images. And like, also when I share someone, I'll ask them like, hey, where'd you get your dress? Because then I share like, if you like this dress, here's the link and here's what size it goes to. So all that stuff is really important to me to, you know, I think whenever on Instagram, it's, it's so like that influencer culture in that little way where we're like, oh, I see it. I want it. I like it. Where do I get it? Yeah. And I try to bring that into plus size birth because that's how it is on every other platform, right? So why shouldn't also be that way for plus size people during pregnancy? And I started seeing a food therapist about a year ago, and I will never forget sitting down in her office and she's like, I'm more like, you're here because you think like, I'm going to give you some magic trick to like lose weight. And she's like, I'm here to help you get to a point where you like love and celebrate your body, no matter what yeah. size it is, you know? And that's really the point that we, I haven't lost a single pound in a year. And I really am in a place where like, I'm able to like confidently have sex and like be naked and like feel yes. great about my body. And if I was younger, I would probably like just get pregnant again and have another one because I like love it. Um, but one of the biggest tips that she gave me was to go through Instagram and to start following accounts of larger women that looked like me. Yes. And that really has done so much for my mental health and also just following like influencer accounts of like women that are in bigger sizes. And then they typically will have like a like it to know it or whatever. And then like we'll yeah. link to some of these things. So like along with following plus size birth, I think it's really important to follow accounts of, you know, not everyone's going to be pregnant forever, right? These influencers right. are pregnant for a short period of time, right? But like following accounts of persons that exist in larger bodies and like looking at them rather than like a feed full of like skinny culture people that just don't match your your DNA and the way you were made, yeah. you know, yeah, I think is and really also, important. Just I really try to I mean, as a plus size person, I would say, like, make sure your feed doesn't just look like you. So I also make sure I'm a white woman. I want to be following black women and people of different abilities and, uh, you know, just have a beautiful variety of people to follow on Instagram because I've learned so much from people mm -hmm. who don't live in the same bubble that I live in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like following people around the world, following people of different backgrounds, different religions, different all the different things like it is so incredibly powerful to change our perspective to change our biases so if you're someone who exists in a thin body listening right now like follow fat influencers because you'll be deconstructing some of your biases as well i think that's really powerful and i realized um when i started doing this work forever ago that i wasn't always myself going to be pregnant and having a young child. So I also have Plus Mommy, which is my biggest social media following, 
where I do just share daily life stuff. And like, I'm about to travel and I talk about flying while fat and tips and tricks for that. And, um, you know, share what I'm wearing for the day. It always surprises me how many people be like, where'd you get your dress? I'm like, I am not a fashion influencer. They're like, yeah, Jen, that's why we want to know where you got your dress because you're not trying to sell us something, but you're wearing a really cute dress. So you can also not only follow me on plus size birth, but also plus mommy. And then I highlight different other influencers, like Heidi was just saying, who exist in larger bodies that are doing really rad work and celebrities and all different kinds of people on my podcast, as well as birth stories from plus size people and just helping to kind of change our own internal biases, but also like stop all the limits we've ever placed upon ourselves of what we are capable of because we exist in larger bodies. Like, no, throw all that out. Like, you can do anything you want to do. And so I love interviewing people who have done all kinds of amazing things as well. Oh, and I'm so forever grateful that you have Plus Mommy because like I said, people will come to this podcast and they're in their final month of pregnancy, you know? And it's really important that we're continuing to support everyone in the postpartum period and beyond because often that can be one of the hardest and most challenging things. So I'm going to simmer there for a minute, right? I gave birth. I was 222 pounds. I had started my pregnancy at 150 pounds. Okay. 72 pounds of weight gain. And getting fit, not getting skinny, but getting fit in postpartum in any body is important. And sometimes that can be really, really for every single person. But I would say especially a person who's in a bigger body. And then our body sometimes grows even bigger or changes or moves or, you know, anything like that. So in Plus Mommy, or I just want to like, I don't know where I'm getting at other than like, I woke up and I didn't even know where to start. I was used to being fit and I was less concerned about being skinny, but I was like in a fat body how in the world do I get fit again? And so like, do you have any words of wisdom or advice on a starting point for these people that are giving birth and that they wake up a couple weeks later and think, I want to celebrate this body. I do, but it's empty now. And so how do I get fit again? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts during pregnancy, right? We're finding ways to move our bodies and nourishing our bodies in ways that are not punishments or restriction, right? We're not, we don't want to diet during pregnancy at all, nope, right? Never. Uh, for people in larger bodies, there are weight gain limits that are recommended. It's very, you said you gained 72 pounds. I lost weight during my pregnancy, not intentionally, not trying to lose weight. I just really made I wasn't dieting. I was I was eating intuitively and my body in return and I was exercising regularly. My body in return lost some weight very slowly, very gradually. Um, and so that is not uncommon. I'm not saying that we should focus on that at all, but I'm just saying things look a little differently when you exist in a larger body. Mm-hmm. But going back to that fitness piece, if we're staying active throughout pregnancy in a way that brings us joy, And that is so important because we know that there are increased risks of things like gestational diabetes and that being physically active helps to reduce our risks. Then once we're into postpartum, continuing to nourish and love our bodies the same way 
we did when we were pregnant now that we're postpartum is so, so important. And now you have even more ways that you can move your body. Like what are, what are some other things that you maybe wanted to try that you were like, I'm pregnant. I don't want to start a new foot fitness routine, but you know, now you, you can talk to your doctor and be like, Hey, I'm really interested in, I don't know, CrossFit or whatever it is. Like, don't feel limited by the size of your body. I think it can be really helpful to go onto hashtags like plus size fitness and find fitness influencers who exist in a larger bodies. I interview a lot of those people on the Plus Mommy podcast to talk about like yoga for everybody. And I even remember doing prenatal yoga at almost, you know, 300 pounds. And I was like, I'm in a very contorted, awesome way. I didn't even realize my body could do that. So (laughs) I think, again, the focus should be wellness, not weight. And finding movement that brings us joy. Exercise because you love your body, not because you hate it. Don't focus on those restrictives. Don't go back to diet culture after you've birthed your baby. Continue to focus on intuitive eating and loving yourself. And your body will do what it needs to do, just as it did what it needed to do to grow a human and birth a human. Like, (laughs) your body is amazing. Your body is amazing. Um, I'm laughing because... I love, well, first of all, I love that you said um, movement that brings you joy. I ended up really loving cycling. That's something where I felt like indoor cycling, I should say, like on the Peloton. I really felt like I, and now they have a whole pregnancy program, but I really felt like I could get on a bike and feel supported and not like I was going to fall. I had like a lot of fears around things, Yeah, but like it brought me so much joy. And I think that that's really important, but I do love yoga. (laughs) And like, I'm not flexible. I'm like trying to contort my body. But I was pregnant and I was doing this like elbow. I don't even know what it's called, but like a forearm elbow handstand. Right. Wow. And I mean, like against a wall. I mean, I'm not. But I was sitting next to my friend Nina. And I was like, I'm eating my boobs. I'm eating my boobs. My, my boobs had grown so big that they like flopped onto my face. And because gravity and I was like, yes. I was like, I'm never doing yoga again. My boobs are like, Aww. and my I did do yoga again. But um, I would say like, if you are in a larger body in your pregnancy and your breasts are growing, this is just a warning. They will flop in your face if you try to do an inversion. <laughs> so. Yes. And I can also tell you where to get amazing sports bras in very large sizes. So Thank you. You, can, you still might get smacked in the face a little bit. Not quite as much. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm so excited for Lizzo to get pregnant someday. Oh, my gosh. If yes. she ever, <laughs> if that's something that she would desire in her lifetime. But she's been such an inspiration to to me and to really my business and the way that I show up for myself and my clients, myself in a larger body, my clients and friends in a larger body. And so um, if any of you guys are not listening to Lizzo, like mm-hmm. where you're I, hiding under a rock, but like, let's, let's download yeah, that playlist. You I know, <laughs> interviewed an LA stylist, the owner of the plus bus, which is a plus size uh, clothing brand in LA. And she actually worked with Lizzo before she was famous, when she was just starting to get a bit famous, and then has worked uh, the MTV Awards when Lizzo was wearing this wild, awesome outfit. She designed it. And she was like, Jen, the Lizzo you see is 
is who she is. And I loved hearing that because I think so many people, especially those of us that exist in a larger body, have really idolized her as someone who just like, I'm here, get over it. I'm going to shake my booty and you're going to love it because you're going to start shaking too. And then to really hear from people who have known her for so long that like she is what we think she is. It's like the best thing ever. So I just I, had to share that. And I will tell you, seven years postpartum, it took like a hot minute to get my groove back sexually in a larger body. Yeah. And Lizzo is one of like the like like literally her music and her music videos and just like her presence on social media, like I was like, I'm going to stand in this mirror naked with this hot lingerie on and I'm going to dance to Lizzo until I feel like I am a queen in the bedroom again. I love that you know so what I mean? much. <laughs> so, yes. And I say that because postpartum sexual health is really, really, really important. So, it, so oh, yeah. loving your body enough to feel super sexy so that you remain intimate with your partner, like even when we're leaking milk out of our boobs, right? Yes. So. Yes. I will say during pregnancy, it's one amazing time to pleasure yourself or with your partner, but especially by yourself. And that can help with that self-love, right? And getting comfortable touching ourselves and exploring our bodies and maybe getting a toy or something. But there's so much more blood flow during pregnancy that I'm telling y'all like, um, yeah, so I don't think we should be afraid of these things. I have articles on plus size pregnancy sex and positions and pillows. And I think all of this stuff is so important and it shouldn't be taboo because how did we get pregnant in the first place? But I think part of that self-love journey for those who have struggled is also self-exploration and self-pleasure and starting wherever that is. Heidi was rocking a lingerie in the mirror. Maybe you just rock a pair of shorts. Maybe you haven't felt comfortable wearing shorts in forever. So you put on a pair of shorts and you just wear them around the house. Start small and then keep going from there. Because so importantly, like we are bringing other humans into this world that are going to frame their own body image based upon what they see us modeling. So the more we can start deconstructing our own fat phobia and our own self-hate, the better we can influence our children to love themselves because for many of our babies, they're going to have the most delicious chunky thighs in the whole wide world. And we're not going to be like, oh, your, your thighs touched. No, we're going to be like, oh my God, I love your thighs so much. But yet, why can't we love our thighs too? Oh, that's so well said, Jen. And it happens very quickly, right? Yeah. Mine are seven yeah. and eight. And we're already having lots of conversations about all of the different body types that they're seeing and that they're living in in themselves too. So we go from pregnancy to postpartum to toddlers to humans, you know, like, Oh my gosh. So yeah. quickly. <laughs> I, I just was sharing my birth story earlier and I've got a 12 year old downstairs on spring break. Who's taller than me. Like it is bananas how fast it flies by. Uh, so cherish every last snuggle, cherish every last kick during pregnancy, but also cherish yourself in the process. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jen, for being on today. Before you go, you have mentioned um, Plus Mommy, Plus Size Birthing, Size Friendly, all of your free guides. 
are you offering childbirth education courses, any memberships? Like, is there anything else about your business that we want to make sure that we let this audience know? Like, what can they consume when they turn this podcast off, you know, and they go to plussizebirth.com? Like, what is what are the main things that you really want to make sure that they know about? I couldn't find hardly anything when I was pregnant. So most of my resources are free because I literally set out to create everything I couldn't find. I had no idea it would blow up and change my whole life. And this is what I do full time as a career now. And the site gets as like over 8 million page views. So a lot is for free, but I do have a guide on everything you could want to know during pregnancy and postpartum, the my plus size, I'm sorry, just everything you could want to know during pregnancy. I'm working on the birth and postpartum book, which is why that slipped out, but um, <laughs> a guide. And then I'm a podcaster. So I also turn the guide into an audio book because I think so many people are busy and they don't have time to read a book. So uh, I also have the audio book and I do have courses launching, but um, by the time this is airing, my courses currently are really focused on educating doulas and uh, midwives and nurses and birth professionals on how to support people in larger bodies because that's so, so incredibly important to me. So there's those professional resources, but the My my Plus Size Pregnancy Guide is available for anyone listening who is plus size and trying to conceive or pregnant and tons of free stuff, not only how to connect with a size-friendly care provider, but I don't know about you, but those Baby Center weekly newsletters that are like, your baby is the size of like a pear. And these are all the things that you should be experiencing. That doesn't always align with the plus size pregnancy. So I have a free weekly plus size pregnancy breakdown that you can sign up for at any point in your pregnancy. So if you're 19 weeks, you'll start at 19 weeks and it'll move forward week by week. What you can expect, additional testing that might be asked, uh, evidence-based, everything has resources. And um, I've really enjoyed putting that together because I think meeting people where they're at and providing them with resources and information that fits within their own journey is so important. And that was so lacking. So I spent months and months and months doing that and got it peer-reviewed and was like, you know what, this just has to be free. So I guess, Heidi, my answer is mostly everything's free, <laughs> but just come on over to plussizebirth.com and you'll find it all. And then I have the Plus Mommy podcast as well. Okay. Well, I love your heart. And on another podcast, we'll talk about making lots of money by what you do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, and then Jen, uh, I alluded to it earlier. So let's just finish off the podcast with what's your favorite baby product? Yeah, I think as you talk, postpartum is so critically important, right? And having tools to help clean our bodies and feel good in our, our bodies. So my favorite tool, uh, product really is the Perry bottle from Frida Baby, which is angled like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. It just has a different angle to it. If you get a Perry bottle at the hospital, which which is great, we're all we're all handed one to help you know squeeze as we're going to the bathroom to help uh, with discomfort and cleaning and all that good stuff. But it's just angled in one way that kind of just squirts up. But this Perry bottle is angled in a way that you can really get up in there and get clean. We're just talking about all this stuff here on your podcast. Um, But it's angled in a way that is especially helpful for those of us that might have an apron belly, a hanging belly that can kind of get in the way that can be harder to lean and to reach. And I just think it's such 
a great tool. I give it to all my pregnant friends, regardless of their size. And they're always like, thanks for looking out for my vagina, Jen. I'm like, I am here for you. That's the type of friend I am. So I send it to my besties and I recommend it to everyone. And it's like 12 bucks. Like I really try to find affordable solutions for things that we need to just, and this is for people of all sizes. I'm like, please, please just get this peri bottle instead of what you're handed. So that's my, one of my favorite tools and tips around postpartum. Awesome. And now you're going to call Frida and get an affiliate marketing link for this product. (laughs) I already have it. Oh, Uh, good. What is it? What is it? Well, no, I just, I have their Amazon affiliate. So you can, I have a whole list of items that you can pack for your hospital bag when you're plus size. And so like, where do we find larger diapers? Where do we find mesh underwear? Well, they're told one size fits all. They actually come in different sizes. And if the hospital doesn't have the largest, you can make sure you already have it in your bag. So I have a whole article on what to pack. I have articles on postpartum needs. I, I've been blogging for um, over 12 years now. And so I've really thought about everything that not only I couldn't find during my pregnancy, but and, you know, my work reaches millions of people. So I'm always getting feedback on like, hey, Jen, did you hear about this? And I'll try it out or I'll you know, reach out to the brand and learn more about it. And I'm always trying to think, what do people need? What do they want? And how can I best give it to them? Oh, I love it. Okay. So you guys, Jen is doing a whole lot for free. Yes. Let's 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 do something for Jen and let's head over to that Amazon wish list. And if you're <laughs> going to purchase those products anyway, let's purchase them with Jen's link, okay? Oh, well so, thank you. Thank yes. you so much thank for you. being here. It's been wonderful and I appreciate everything you're doing for the plus size community and for doulas that are serving that community as well. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you and like I say, doulas doulas are the best. I can't imagine how my story would have ended if I hadn't hired a doula. So thank you so much for the work that you do and for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want no matter what that looks like. 